appreciate that. Can't get no two greater songs than those two, can you? All right, so we're going to be reading out of Psalms tonight. If you'd like to read, you're sure welcome to get in line. And uh, we'll read tonight out of the Psalms. I believe we're going to be in Psalms uh, 59 or 57. Psalms 57 tonight. Psalms 57. So if you'd like to read tonight, you're sure welcome to do so. All right, so let's read Psalms 57, Psalms 58. That's 22. That's 22. That'd be seven, seven apiece. So you can start out. Sister Kaylee. Unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee, yea, in the shadow of thy wings I will I make my refuge, until these calamities be overpassed. I will cry unto God most high, unto God that performeth all things for me. He shall send me send from heaven and save me from the reproach of him that would swallow me up. Selah. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. My soul is among lions, and I lie even among them that are set on fire. Even the sons of men, whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue a sharp sword. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have digged a pit before me, into the midst whereof they are fallen themselves. Selah. My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Amen. Eight, awake up my glory, awake. Psaltery and harp, I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations. For thy mercy is great unto the heavens, and thy truth unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. Psalms 58. Do ye indeed speak righteousness, O congregation? Do ye judge uprightly, O ye sons of men? Yea, in heart ye work wickedness. Yea, weigh the violence of your hands in the earth. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. Thank you. Their poison is like the poison of a serpent. They are like the deaf adder that stoppeth her ear, which will not hearken to the voice of charmers, charming, Never so wisely. Break their teeth, O God, in their mouth. Break out the great teeth of the young lions, O Lord. Let them melt away as water which run continually. When he bendeth his bow to shoot his arrow, let him be as cut in pieces. As a, as a snail which melteth, let every one of them pass away, like the untimely birth of a woman, that they may not see the sun." Before your pots can feel, can feel the thorns, he shall take them away as with a whirlwind, both living and in his wrath. The righteous shall rejoice when he seeth the vengeance. He shall wash his feet in the blood of the wicked, so that a man shall say, Verily, there is a reward for the righteous. Verily, he is a God that judgeth the earth. Amen. Thank you. You turn your Bibles tonight to the Song of Solomon, chapter 1. 
Song of Solomon, chapter 1, as we continue this series on the greatest love song ever sung. And we want to preach tonight, I titled the message tonight, The Church on Display. And really, it's the Shulamite on display, but she represents the church tonight. So uh, here in chapter 1, let's begin reading in verse 5. Last week, we preached from verse 1 to verse 4. So tonight, we'll read from verse 5 down to verse 11. It says, I am black, but comely, all you daughters of Jerusalem, as the tents of Kadar, as the curtains of Solomon. Look not upon me, because I am black, because the sun hath looked upon me. My mother's children were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but mine own vineyard have I not kept. Tell me, O thou whom my soul loveth, where thou feedest, where thou makest thy flock to rest at noon. For why should I be as one that turneth aside by the flocks of thy companions? If thou know not, O thou fairest among women, go thy way forth by the footsteps of the flock, feed thy kids beside the shepherd's tent. I have compared thee, O my love, to a company of horses in Pharaoh's chariots. Thy cheeks are comely with rolls of jewels and the neck with chains of gold. We will make thee borders of gold with studs of silver. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you again, Lord, for the singing that we've had tonight. Thank you for the reading of your word. Thank you, God, for the faithfulness of your people. Thank you for the word of God tonight, Lord, that we just read out of the Song of Solomon. We pray now, Lord, to give us some understanding. God, give us some clarity. Father, that we might be able to take the word of God and make application and grow. God, and become wise and prudent. And God, be exactly what you want us to be tonight through your word. Thank you for all those that are here tonight. We do pray for those that are sick. I pray tonight, Lord, uh, for Sister Loretta, who's uh, sick tonight, Brother George. Uh, pray for Brother Wade. I pray tonight even for Sister Claudia tonight, Lord, that you'd touch her body. I pray, Father, that you'd have your way now in our service tonight that we'll give you praise and glory for all the done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So to just to remind us tonight, we got to remember the setting. Uh, the setting is the Shulamite girl is in the court of the king. And so we also have to remind ourselves who is who. And so the king tonight is Solomon, and he is representing the world or representing the enemy tonight. Uh, and so every time we speak of Solomon in the Song of Solomon, he is speaking from that point of view as being the enemy or being the world tonight being the one that is, uh, we would say, um, let's just say the world tonight would probably be sufficient. And then with the Shulamite girl that's in the story is also uh, one who represents the church. And so when we speak of her tonight, it's always going to reference to the church. And then the sh shepherd boy tonight, or the shepherd, is representing Jesus Christ our Lord. And so with those being said tonight, we've got to, Stay tuned. We've got to stay concentrating in what we're doing and what we're saying tonight forever it to be a help to us tonight. And so we go back in the chapter 1. Uh, we know that in verse 4, the king hath brought me into his chambers. Uh, that is, the Shulamite girl is in the chambers, is in the court of the uh, king here. 
Now, there are some other ones that show up tonight in our, in our study of the Word of God. And we find that there uh, in this uh, verse 5. It says, I am black but comely, O ye daughters of Jerusalem. And so now tonight, uh, the setting is this. They're in the king's court. They're in the king's chambers. The daughters of Jerusalem is uh, the king's women, uh, the king's harem. And now they're having conversation with this Shulamite girl. All right? So that's what's taking place here tonight is there's conversation between the Shulamite and the daughters of Jerusalem. And so we'll kind of get with that thought so that you can keep that. My first point tonight is this, is the contrast of the Shulamite girl. She contrasts herself against the daughters of Jerusalem. Now, the daughters of Jerusalem is the women of the world because they're the king's harem, so they're part of the world. They're part of the enemy. Uh, they're part uh, tonight of what we would consider uh, the ungodly or the lost tonight. And so we find in the setting we see there in verse 5 in the contrast of the Shulamite, uh, now they're in the presence of the king, uh, that's in his chambers. We find in verse 5 that she's with the people of the king, the daughters of Jerusalem. I called them the king's women. I called them the world's girls. And I called them the enemy's pawns. And so we find that all the time in the life in which we live as Christians tonight. When we go out into the world, when we go out amongst our enemies, we go out amongst uh, tonight into what we would call uh, the world tonight. Uh, they have the worldlings, the world pawns, uh, the people of the world, uh, the people that belong to Satan, uh, people tonight who are, who are the children of Satan. And tonight uh, we go forth in our lives, whether it's in the store, whether it's at work, or whether it's in other places, even in our own homes or maybe in our own families tonight. Uh, this world is surrounded with the daughters of Jerusalem, uh, those that are working on the behalf of the king, uh, those who are in connecting with the king, they're part of the king, they're part of the world. And so tonight there's conversation going on. The first thing that she does in verse 5 is she explains that she is different from them outwardly because she says this, I am black. I am black. Now she's not a black person. She's saying that her skin is black. And we're going to learn that in a minute. Why? Uh, we read it just a while ago because of the sun, of course. But she is saying to the world, women, to the world, that I am different than you are outwardly, for I am black. In other words, I don't look like you. And tonight, that needs to be our, our heart as well, that when we go out into the world and we're amongst the world's people tonight, We've got to know and they've got to know that we don't look like each other. The world can't look like the world. I mean, the church can't look like the world. The Christian cannot look like the lost. Uh, those that are saved cannot look like those who are unsaved. And that's the setting here. And so she's amongst the world. The world has her eyes upon them. She's amongst the people of the world. And she says to them, I am black. I'm different than you are. It's a contrast. And you are the color of skin you are. It's olive. They're, they're, they're Jewish people. They're, they're of Jerusalem. So they got the olive skin, the olive color. But she's black. So it's evident that she is different than they are. 
And so tonight, the most important emphasis I want to make on this point is this tonight. When we get into the world's people, we've got to be different than they are outwardly. We've got to look different. Amen. Uh, we've got to have to be in a place where I'm not like they are. And so you've got to have the mindset tonight and the heart tonight that when you go to work tomorrow or you go to the store tomorrow or you go to your family tomorrow, you just got to know that I'm different than they are because I'm Christian, because I'm the church, I'm the bride of Christ, I'm a believer. And that's what's wrong with the church tonight. The church is trying to look like the world. The church tonight is trying to get, uh, the world's trying to get churchy, Amen. And uh, we find that, that they want to look like the world. They want to seem similar to the world. They want to have the same attributes of the world. They want to have the same color of the world is tonight. But that's not what the Bible teaches us tonight. So she, the Shulamite representing the church tonight, is making it very clear that she's different outwardly. Number two, she explains that she's different inwardly. But she says there in that verse 5, I am black, that's outwardly. But comely, comely, that's what's in her. That word comely means beautiful, and it means suitable. And so tonight, it goes on to say in verse 5, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, as the tents of Kedar, as the curtains of Solomon. And what she's saying to, to them is this, I know that I'm black. Outwardly, I'm different than you, but inwardly, I'm different than you as well. But that's where my natural beauty comes from. That's where we are we're really who we are. The beauty of us tonight is not outward. The beauty of us is inward. Amen. And we got to know that tonight that as we move out into this world and understand tonight as we come about with the worldlings of the world and the lost of the world is that what makes us different than them tonight is not only outwardly but because of inwardly. What took place in us is what caused us to be different on the outside. And so tonight we find uh, that she would say to them, I am inwardly different than you. I don't think like you think, right? Because inwardly I'm different. So it, it affects my thinking. So tonight we can't think and we don't think like the world. And so tonight I don't understand why churches or why Christians or why believers tonight so uh, kind of like, I've got to think like that. And if you don't think like the world, then you're the wrong one. And you're the one that seems to be weird. And you're the one who seems to be odd. And you're the one who seems to be out there somewhere. And you're the one who has to be the, the one who's a, that's like, a, like a weirdo tonight because you don't think like the world. But we can't think that away tonight. We are different inwardly. And we don't think like the world. Or we can't think like the world. And we're not supposed to think like the world. And we don't want to think like the world. And so tonight, this is what she's saying to them. And not only do we think different, but we don't, we feel different. Tonight, and our feelings, our emotions, our passions tonight are different. She says, I am black, but I'm comely. That within me, I, I feel different. I, I have different uh, loves. I've got different uh, desires. I, I got different attributes. I, I got different affections. I got different appetites. I, I've got different uh, looks. I, I, I want things different. I, I cannot be like the daughters of Jerusalem. And she's talking to the daughters of Jerusalem and saying, that, listen, I'm black, but I'm comely, and I'm different inside and outside, and I don't think like you do, and I don't even 
want to think that way, and I don't act that way, and I don't even, uh, I, I don't, I'm not like you at all, whether it's outwardly or inwardly. And tonight, we've got to know that when we get into the world, and as we get amongst the worldlings, and we get around amongst the lost tonight, that we just got to know that we're going to be different. We're different inwardly, and we're different outwardly. And so tonight, that's what she's in position here, is having this conversation and uh, it's coming forth and it's coming out. Number two tonight, not only the contrast of the Shulamite girl, but I want you to notice the conflict of the Shulamite girl. Because of the contrast, she finds herself in a conflict. Tonight, you're going to find yourself, if you live the real Christian life, if you live the life according to the Bible, if you live the life that God would demand of you to live, you're going to find tonight that your life will be in conflict. You won't look for the conflict. You won't search out the conflict. You won't be the one who causes the conflict. But, Fred, you're in a world today uh, that is led and guided by the devil himself, and he's got his people about doing their thing, and you are different inwardly and outwardly tonight, and it's going to cause conflict. That's just the way it is tonight in the world in which we live. She's no different tonight as she represents the church. We see in this conflict, number one, that the king is looking for her. The king, even the world. Tonight, the world is looking for you. The people of the world are looking for you. Tonight, whether it's your home, or whether it's your church, or whether it's your work, they're watching you. They're waiting for you to say a cuss word. They're waiting for you to get angry and do something ignorantly. They're waiting for you to to deny the Lord or be ashamed of God. They're waiting for you to, to discredit our Lord and to bring a reproach upon the church. That's what they're waiting for. The king is looking upon her tonight. Number two, I notice that, that the daughters of Jerusalem are looking at her. We see that there in this verse. And, uh, and there in that verse 6, it says, Look not upon me. See, they're looking at her in verse 6. And she's saying, don't look upon me, I'm black. So we find that the daughters of Jerusalem are looking at her. And that's what's going to take place in the world in which we live tonight. The world is going to look at you. Don't walk out of here and say, don't look at me. No, you should walk out of here and say, look at me. I love God. Christ Jesus is in my heart. The Holy Spirit, God, dwells in me. I believe in the Word of God. I believe Jesus is coming. I believe Jesus Christ has made and molded me. I'm being fashioned unto Him tonight. I'm being, I'm being exactly what He wants me to be. And I'm going to live according to the Word of God. And I'm going to please God. And I'm going to make Jesus Christ have the glory of all my life. Hey, everybody, watch me. That should be the way, right? As she's there, she's looking. Look, Paul me, so we got the, the daughters of Jerusalem that are looking at her. We got the king that's looking for her. And then thirdly tonight, we see that the, that the son is looking upon her. Look at that in verse, in verse 6. It says, and the son hath looked upon me. In other words, as she was working out in the fields, as she was doing as her 
her family asked her to do and really demanded her to do, we find that the sun has come upon her, her skin, has come upon her, her body, has brought her, her body to come into a black look, into a dark skin, to a real tan skin, I would say tonight. Because the sun has looked upon her. And now she's there in a way where the daughters of Jerusalem are looking at her. And the world is looking for her. That's a conflict, don't you think? I mean, listen, man, when we walk out of here in just a moment, you're going to be in a conflict. There's going to be things about you that they're all going to look at. Then here, fourthly, I notice the family in verse 6 tells us that they're looking down on her. The Bible says, look not upon me because I am black, because the sun hath looked upon me. My mother's children were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard have not I kept. What is she talking about? She's talking about that they, the brothers of, that she had in the family tonight, uh, they was not at all excited about her relationship with the shepherd. They were doing everything they could tonight to, to disrupt that. They didn't want her to have a relationship with the shepherd that she had. And so they put her out in the field. They put her out, out there to do the hard laborous work. Out in the sun, to bake in the sun. They had no sympathy for her shepherd. She has great sympathy for him, but they don't have any for her, for him. And because of that, she's out there in the field. They're angry with her. They're angry with her because, she, because they have no agreement with the shepherd. None. They don't agree anything with him. They want him out. They want him gone. And then they have no love for her shepherd. For in that tonight that they put her out there in the keeper of the vineyards and they made her work there in the midst of the sun. Now Matthew chapter 10 verse 36 says this tonight. And the man's foes shall be uh, they of his own household. Let me read that again. Matthew 10 36. A man's foes shall be of they of his own household. She didn't suffer because of the world. And she didn't suffer because of the ones that didn't like her or the ones that were enemies of her. She suffered by her own family. And the reason why she suffered by her own family is because she had a relationship with the shepherd. Now listen tonight, dear church. You're going to be either in one place. Either you're going to be like the Shulamite girl loving your shepherd and giving all your life to the shepherd, and living a life that is faithful to the shepherd, and you're living a life that is consistent with the Word of God, and the people in your family are not going to like it. And they don't want you to live that way. They want you to do a little bit of this. They want you to be a little bit more of the world. They, they want you to be a little bit more less spiritual. They want you to be a little bit less more or less Christian. Uh, they don't want you. They want you to go to heaven, and they want you to be kind and good and giving and gracious. But they're not that serious about you just coming to the prayer meeting and, and you coming to the to go out and go visitation. Uh, they're just not interested in you giving the full ten percent of your tithes and getting involved in the missions. And uh, they they want you to go some way with God, but not all the way with God. And and boy, they're the foes of your Christian life. And you're facing in your own family. 
about going to church, living for God, doing what's right, living the, the life without the sin that you did live in prior of that life. And so you're facing suffering in your own home because they just don't want you to have that relationship with Jesus. Now, they won't say that, but that's the truth. Or you're in the home tonight, and you're the enemy of that one who wants to live for God. You're the one who complains and gripes. You're the one who accuses of not being saved or, or not being uh, called to do this and that or the other or don't want to participate in the Bible studies, don't want to pray uh, with the spouse, uh, don't want to uh, go to church and, and miss it or have a little a little itch in your nose and so you don't you come to church and you you know you don't want to not obey the law of God's word uh, you don't want to be as obedient as you should and when they're obedient you go against them you fight against them you're always resisting them you're always putting pressure on them you're always bringing a headache upon them you, you're never just saying okay I'm so glad I'm thankful for God that they love God with all their heart their soul their spirit and all their power and their giving their life to Jesus and I'm not going to get in the way and I'm going to enhance that I'm going to help them with that I'm going to leave them along the way but no you're the foe you're the trouble as they try to live for God you're either on one of these states here tonight either you're the one living for God and the foes of your family's coming against that or somebody in your family's trying to live for God and you're coming against it that's what this lady, this Shulamite's facing, and the church faced that all the time. I see it many a times tonight whenever the husband, who, who the woman or the wife has been praying for, and she had prayed for the husband and say, hey, pastor, pray for my husband that they get saved, that they know Jesus. We pray, we pray, we pray. The husband gets saved. And when the husband really gets saved, he wants to, he wants to give his tithes, his offerings, he wants to come to church all the time. He wants to read his Bible, he wants to pray. And she's looking and saying, man, you got, you got too saved. I mean, you got way too saved. And it works on the wife's side as well, where the, where the wife gets saved and, and the husband says, you know what? Uh, you know, she might have been not submissive or she might have been one who just spins out, out, of, out of control or maybe she just yells or screams at the kids and the boy says, I hope she gets saved. I want her to get saved. Hey, pastor, pray for my wife, man. She's out of control. We pray for the wife, pray for the wife. The wife gets saved. Man, she gets dedicated. She gets determined. She begins to live for Jesus. She wants to come to church. She wants to teach a Sunday school class. She wants to pray before she eats. She wants you to have a devotion. She wants you to lead the house. She wants you to be the man of the home. She wants you. She's looking to you saying, you follow. I'll follow if you lead. And you say, man, you really, I mean, you really got saved. You got two saved. You know, so we find in both ways, in this woman's way of conflict tonight, that her family is looked down on her. We find also in the way of looking, she, we find that she is looking about herself. And she says this, she had, the Bible says in that last portion of verse 6, but my own vineyard have I not kept, meaning I just didn't have time. I've been looking about herself and I had no time for me. I've got no time to spend on me. In other words, I've just been selfless. I've been working in the vineyard. I've been looking for my shepherd. I've been just here in the midst of this court. I've been amongst these Jerusalem girls. And, and you know what? I just never spent no time for me. I've been selfless in all this. And I've just been serving. 
That's all I've been. And so as you might think tonight, as the, the women of Jerusalem would come foraging out into the courts, they have these beautiful dresses, they're, they're, they're colorful, uh, they got all kinds of draperies upon them, uh, they got all kinds of coins that kind of lean off of them, and they're, they're just dressed to the hilt, right? I mean, just beautiful. But here comes this little Shulamite girl here. She's dark with skin, and no doubt you know about that. When you get a sunburn, keep on getting sunburned, your skin gets kind of rough, right? Look like an elephant. Right? You know those people who go out through the tan booths all the time? They're looking pretty right now. One of these days, they're going to look like a, a rhinoceros. So uh, here she comes in. Uh, she, she's not dressed up in all that dress and all that pretty and all that kind of stuff. She's just an old Shulamite girl. Nothing, nothing, nothing important, really. Nothing special. I mean, she's just an old girl. But what she has, she has the shepherd. And they got the world. And that's why they just can't understand her. Because what's on her mind is the shepherd. What's on their mind is the king. And so uh, that's why this conversation's going on, and, and that's why it's happening here. But, uh, you know, uh, she just says, hey, you know, I, I don't have time to care for me. All I care about is him. Amen. So we find this conflict. Then I see it sixthly tonight that she's in looking for her shepherd. Look in verse 7. She's looking for her shepherd. The Bible says, tell me, O thou whom my soul loveth. So it's her talking about the shepherd. Where thou feedest, where thou makest thy flock to rest at noon, why should I be as one that turneth aside by the flocks of thy companions? Now remember, she's having a conversation with these daughters of Jerusalem in the midst of the court, and she's saying this before them. And so what she's asking is saying this, is I'm in this conflict. But, man, I am sure ready for the freedom that I had before with my shepherd when he went out to feed the flocks at noon. Whenever, whenever he went about and he feeded them and he gave the flocks, and, he, and she says, uh, I would want to be with him. I like the liberty that I had before. Now I'm in the court. Now I'm under the eyes of the world. Now I'm under the eyes of the people. Now I'm under the eyes of my family and all these other things that are looking upon her. And she's saying, oh, my shepherd boy, my one whom I love the most. I just want to have freedom and liberty again to go out there and be with you. Have that relationship. Have that time of talk and have that fellowship again. But I can't. I'm in the midst of here. And so she's saying, that that's what's looking upon her tonight is she's looking for that shepherd. And as she thinks on how it was before, the daughters, in verse, in verse 8, they respond. They respond to her. As she's in the midst of the court, as the king is looking upon her, and as he's talking to the daughters of Jerusalem, and she's saying, all I want to do is get out. All I want to go to where my shepherd's feeding the flock and at noon. That's all I want to do. And then they say to her there in that verse, that verse 8, this is what they say. If thou know not, O thou fairest among women. See, that's her. That's the, that is the daughters of, of Jerusalem speaking to the Shulamite girl saying, Thou art the fairest among women. And the reason why they say that is because the eye of the king is on her. That's why they're saying that. All the focus is this woman. And then she goes, they say this. Go thy way forth by the footsteps of thy flock and feed the kids beside the shepherd's tent. So here's the response of the daughters of the world. 
Don't you understand who is looking at you? Don't you understand that you're in the king's court? Don't you understand that his eye is upon you? Don't you understand who he is? And here you are talking about a shepherd and going on noon somewhere and feeding the flock. What is the matter with you, woman? I mean, you here's the king. The king has all the riches. The king has all the power. The king has all the authority. The king has everything to offer. You will be happy for all of eternity. Hey, he will give you everything you ever wanted. And here you are talking about a shepherd out in the field somewhere. Don't you understand who's looking at you? And then they're saying, don't you not only understand who's looking at you, but do you not know what he's offering you? Do you not know what he can give you? Do you not know what the world tonight can give to you guys? And rather y'all come to the church tonight, do you not know what the world could give in return for that? I mean, listen, uh, she is up before the word of the king and the daughters of Jerusalem said, don't you know how rich you can come? Don't you know how all the things you can get? And you become one of his harem. You become one of his, his wives. You become one part of his relationship. Uh, you'll have more than you ever had before. Look at you, you're black. Look at you, you got meager clothes on. You, you, got, you got clothes that are, I mean, we're different. We even look different. We're not even looking the same. Don't you want to look like us? Don't you want to have what we have? We're the daughters of Jerusalem. Don't you understand? Don't you know? And they're saying to her thirdly, and don't you appreciate what you could have? I mean, come on, woman. Get it together. We brought you down here, or he brought you down here to his chambers, to his courts. We're here, and we're trying to help you to make a decision to go to the king. And so what they finally say to her, here in this verse 8, they say this. Go thy way forth by the footsteps of the flock. Referring to verse 7. Because she that's where she wanted to go. Well, she wanted to go where the flock was. You know why? Because where the flock is is where the shepherd's at. And then they say to her, and feed thy kids beside the shepherd's tents. So basically what they're saying to her is this. You Shulamite woman, you don't understand. You don't know. And you don't appreciate the opportunity that's before you right now that the, what the world can do for you. So, go ahead and go back to your shepherd boy. Go on back to the footsteps to the flock and feed the kids and go beside the shepherd tents. You know, in the heart of the Shulamite woman, she was saying, yes, that's what I want to do. Do you really think I want to be in the eyes of the world? Do you think I want to be in the conversation of the world? Do you think today that I, I really want to be in this place at this time under this conflict? No. I'd rather be with my shepherd somewhere. Amen.
Y'all follow me on the on the, the story tonight. You guys stay with me. And then I want you to notice thirdly tonight. I'm about to slow down. I'm running out of material. I want you to notice now number three, thirdly tonight, is the captivity of the Shulamite girl. The captivity. You see, whenever he brought her into that court or that chamber, she became a prisoner. She can't just walk out. And tonight, you can't just walk out of the world. You are a prisoner in this world. The only way you're going to go out of this world is when God takes you out. You can't walk out when you want to. You can't just decide when you're going to live or you're going to decide where you're going to die. It's him tonight. The Bible says he giveth and he taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So we're in this world tonight and we're prisoners. Do we want to be here? No, we've got another place we're looking for. We're just strangers, right? We're just pilgrims. We're just walking through. We're just passing our time. There's a greater place tonight where we're going to hand up at. But in the meantime tonight, we've got to know and understand uh, that we're going to be in captivity. And the world tonight is going to be longing for the Lord's church. The world longs for the world's church. Now, why does the night, does the church, does the world is so focused on the church? You take our world tonight. Why are they worried about the church? They got a lot of things to worry about. They got to worry about little Chinamen down there in North Korea. They got to worry about big old, big old Putin out of Russia. Uh, they got to worry about old Ching Chong, Ching Chong down there in China. Well, they gotta, we got to worry about inflation. We got to worry about our borders. We got to worry about the gas. We got to worry about a lot of things tonight. But you know what the world's focused on? The church. And tonight, it's all over the place. We've got to get rid of the church. They believe, they believe against homosexuality. They believe against abortion. They, they believe they, they don't go along with, with our government. They don't go along with the rhetoric, of, the rhetoric of what he is saying. And so they're going against. You know what? We've got to get rid of this church. We've got to get rid of this Bible. We've got to get rid of this Christ. And, friend, that's what the world, so the world is longing to get rid of the church tonight. And how they're going to do that is by seducing us from Christ. To seduce us. To make sure that they don't just come out and say, okay, you can't serve Jesus, but they're going to put things in our lives that's going to draw us from Jesus. Right? Like TV. Right? Like internet. Like football. Basketball. Baseball. All these things here is when we go there and we watch the internet. We sit up in our we sit up in our beds. We sit up in our beds and we turn our phones on and we watch and look and write, text, whatever we're doing, and we do it for hours. We're not praying, we're not reading our Bible, we're not Visiting those that are in our household. We're not being functional in any way. We're not being in a place where we become useful. We're looking at a stupid phone. 
and we look at it over and over and over and over and over, and we wonder why our lives are falling apart. We wonder why our Christianity is so weak. We wonder why we have so troubles in our lives. And tonight, throw the phone away. You might get a hold of God. That's one seducing that he does, and the church is falling apart all the time. Somehow, some way, we think that looking at whatever and on Facebook and on Twitter and all that nonsense, and God's word's not read, and God's, we're not praying to God, and we're wasting a lot of time. Amen, Brother Larry. That's right. That's the truth. Sometimes you got to say it yourself. We notice that not seducing them from Christ, but to separate them from God. That's what the world wants tonight, to separate you from God. They want to separate you from his word. They want, he wants to separate you from your church. I believe tonight one of the main reasons for COVID was to shut down the church. The first time in American history that the government had demanded, commanded, decreed, whatever you want to say, you can't go to church. Who in the world does those devils think they are? To tell us that we can't go to church. That didn't happen here at Glory. It won't happen next time neither. Tonight, what I'm saying is this. is the churches all over the world. They quit going to church. They stopped having church. People stopped going to church. And today, it's never recovered. Never recovered. Those people who stopped going still are not going. And what are they doing? They're watching on TV. They've got their phones right now, and they're looking. They're on their TV. I mean, they're on their phones. Uh, they might be on their computers. They're sitting at the table. They're sitting at the chair. They're sitting at the couch. They're sitting somewhere, and they're watching Brother Larry. And if you can be here tonight, you should be here rather than watching me on TV. I got shut off right there. So we find tonight that that the world is trying to separate them from God, trying to sever us from the Lord. Now, let me give you some things tonight. Let me tell you the, the world's ways. How does the world do that? Now, this is what's taking place right here in this chapter 1 of what the king is trying to do with this Shulamite girl, the church. Number one uh, is not only it, they're trying to long to, to take the church out by that way, but by the world's ways. We notice in the Bible that it says that the, that the devil comes as an angel of light, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. The Bible says he's as a roaring lion. 1 Peter 1, 8. We find that he comes as a serpent in the way. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. So we find already that the ways of the devil is going to try to get us out from worshiping and living and honoring and respecting our Lord tonight will be in the way of an angel of a light, a roaring lion, or a serpent in the way. It might be in the way of the ruler of the darkness. It may be the ruler of this world. It might be the God of this world. All of those are, de- are Satan and devil. We've got to be ready for that. We've got to be knowing tonight that the world is trying to get us from the Lord. We notice tonight not only there are ways, but we notice the wisdom. The wisdom of the world will be they'll do it through flattery. The world will raise you up to knock you down. The world will bring you to a high place. You can be rich. You can be successful. Oh, yeah, you can go to church when you can. 
It's okay, but the most important thing is you got to make a living. You got to make a lot of money. You got to have a bigger car. You got to have a bigger house. You got to have a bigger bank account. You got to have a bigger 401. Hey, listen, you know what? There's nothing wrong with making money. You know, today it's the love of, or the root of evil is the love of money, but it's not the making of money, and that's all true tonight. But the devil will flatter you on where you find yourself working, 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 working. And you got a bag that has holes in it. You're saying, I'm working more than I've ever worked before and I still have nothing. But the devil's done got you flattered. Thinking that you got to put more hours in. You got to make more money in order to be more wealthier. The world tonight is flattering us. Not only can they do it through flattering, but they do it through falsehood. They just lie. The world lies. The devil brings lies to you all the time. Hey, your husband's messing around on you. Hey, they don't like you at work. They're going to fire you. You know what? Your best friend talking behind your back. Now, you've got no reason to believe all that, but it comes through his mind. As you're watching the, the, the TV and you watch those... Uh, as the world turns and all those other, I can't think of the name of that, that kind of stuff. And, and they got all that uh, reality going on in these shows. And, and, uh, and you, have, you have your home and then you got that home. And you got the, the, re, you got the, the uh, uh, man, what's it called? The reality shows, but it's like as the world turns, what's it called? Soap operas, there you go. What is it? Novella, what is that, Spanish? All right, well, in Spanish, the no, novellas? You got novella. And you got, over here, you got soap operas. And when novella, and you got soap operas, you're thinking those two places is how my home should be. That's what kind of husband I should have. That's what kind of wife he should have. And you're taking your life, and you're pattering by those people with those things, and next thing you know, your spouse comes up sharp, and you kick them out. You're not like novella. I'm telling you tonight, it works on your mind. You watch all those movies, and or they're committing adultery everywhere. They're cheating on everybody. Uh, they got all kind of schism and schisms going on. And Fred, you look at your spouse, and you look at your family, and say, it's going on here too. Friend, we're messed up. We're allowing the world tonight to bring in falsehood, lies, but then also by fear. By fear tonight, the world tonight is and by its wisdom is trying to take us apart from our lord because of fear fear of covid fear of the atomic bomb fear of inflation fear of china fear of russia fear the world's going to burn up somehow and it is but they're saying that unless we unless we get rid of our gas cars and even our gas stoves now and go all electric in order for us to survive in this uh this uh, this world uh Brian, we find ourselves that's stupid that's a fear tactic and the world is doing that tonight and christians are swallowing it and we find tonight the wisdom then the world's wants the world the world's wants is to take you from the loyalty to your of your lord if the world can get you to stop being so loyal to the Lord, they achieved its purpose. Also, the world's want is to take you from the commitment to the Lord. You make a commitment to the Lord, the world's going to try to get you to stop that, sever that. 
The world's wants is take you from the love of the Lord, to get you to love something else more than the Lord. Now, the devil won't say, don't love the Lord, but the devil will say, uh, you can love that a little bit more. I mean, you don't have to love the Lord like that. I mean, you can love the Lord, but you don't have to love them to that extent. You know, you still have your spouse, you still have your children, you still have your job, you still have this, that, and the other. And so you can share, uh, you can have God and everything else too, you can share. That was wrong with Israel, right? They had God, but they had a bunch of other gods with God. Tonight, that's what the devil would try to do. The wants, the wisdom, the ways. Can I say here, here tonight, the world's words. And we find these words in verse 9. Why does the world want to bother the church? You know, if the church is fake tonight, why does the world bother us? If it's fake, why would you bother something fake? If the world tonight is wrong, we're just evil. We're just wicked. Why would the world even bother us? If the world tonight would look at us and say, you know what, the church is worthless. And many say, then why do you want to get rid of worthless? So it doesn't make sense tonight if we're fake and we're wrong and we're worthless. Why would the devil be so desirable to get rid of us? We find in verse 9, because the church has power. The church has power. Look at verse 9. Now, this is the king speaking to the Shulamite. He says to her, I have compared thee, O my love. That's the king speaking to her. To the company of horses in Pharaoh's chariots. Now, how flattering would that be for you if your husband comes home and says, You know what? You remind me of a bunch of horses. You know what? You, you're just like a bunch of company of horses down in the Pharaoh's chariots. You might get slapped, right? You, you might not have dinner that night, and, and you might have trouble, amen, maybe for the next few days whenever you refer her to a horse. I mean, if you say like this, hey, you eat like a horse, you might get away with that for a little bit. When you say that I'm, I'm comparing you to a horse, you're going to be in trouble. So here is the enemy king saying to the Shulamite girl, she said, he says, Listen, I compare you to a company of horses and Pharaoh's chariots. Now, that represents power. Power. The word of truth tonight is the church is strong. Right? The church is strong. You say, how, how do you know the church is strong? You see, the devil's not that ignorant. When he compared the Shulamite girl to power, he's right. But he's flattering her. He's bringing her up. He's raising her up. She, he's praising her and saying, listen, you're a powerful woman. Now, every woman in this world likes to hear that. You're a powerful woman. The woman of power. Right? Power woman. Power. Man, it's all over the place. Everybody, all the women wants power. And so you raise that out, you'll find, boy, the women, yeah, I like that guy. I mean, he, he says, I got some power. Well, the church has power tonight. When I say it has power, it has strength. 
How do you know he has strength? Well, when we first started out back in almost 2,000 years ago, if y'all remember, that the church came forth and it was the, it was the Jewish people that began to persecute the church, right? And they persecuted a bunch of us. But the church survived. And after it got through with the Jewish uh, uh, people, then we find ourselves in Rome. And next thing, Romans are crucifying and killing the Christians. But the church made it through there too. And then next thing you know, after that, the Romans uh, has taken the church and with, with uh, down to Constantinople and he puts it together and he calls it the, the universal church, which we now call the Catholic church. And we find that now the Catholic church is persecuting the other church, the real church, the church that is the true vine. So now you got Catholics with popes and all the leaders are now taking the Christians and killing them. But we survived that too. Then after the Catholics kind of took their way out on the Christians, we find the Muslims. The Muslims decide to have a little bit of Christian blood, and so they began to put some hurt on the church as well. And then we find after you go past the Muslims, you go to the Hindus, you go to the Hindus, you go to the Buddhists, and you have to go to the Buddhists, you find yourself getting into communism. Communism doing a little bit of hurt on the church, and, and then after communism comes humanism. And humanism is trying to do some work on the church here. But you know what? Church still here. They killed 30 million in one place in the Reformation. We're still here. And the church and the devil knows that we got strength. Yeah. Oh. Oh, I'll tell you something else. The church has courage. Courage. We still go out and tell others about Jesus. We still preach the Word of God. Even though hundreds and thousands and millions and trillions of people have died for the cause of Christ, they've been hung on the tree. They've been put in the catacombs. They've been buried alive in graves. They've been stuck on as a light pole and lit. Friend, with, uh, with kerosene tonight and all types of other ways of murdering and all the other ways of crucifying and killing Christians tonight. But the church is courage. We're not afraid. We're going to give Jesus all. Man, the devil knows that. That's why he says to the Shilamite girl, you're like a bunch of horses. Man, in the chariots of, of the Pharaoh. I'll tell you something else. Church, the church is durable. Churches endure. You, you can't stop the church. You, you can't get the church to quit. You're not going to find that the true church is going to lay down and play dead. It will endure until the end. It will be faithful unto death. The church tonight is one who's fearless. Fearless. We don't fear what man can do to us. We don't fear what the devil can think he can do to us. We don't fear what the body can do. We don't fear what the world can do. We don't fear. We fear God. Amen. So, man, when the world, as the king looked upon that Shulamite girl, and he's trying to entice her and trying to bring her in and trying to raise her up and trying to bring praise upon her, he says, you're like a horse. He's saying, you've got power. Church is bold tonight. But many look at the church tonight 
as a Shulamite girl was looked upon by the, the daughters of Jerusalem as weak. Right? Church is weak. People of the world looks at the church as ugly. Y'all got so many problems. I mean, y'all can't even get along. I mean, listen, you, you got churches all along this area here. We got 78 churches in, in, uh, in Stafford, Texas alone. We probably all believe different. Y'all are messed up. I mean, listen, you call yourself a Baptist. You call yourself an independent Baptist. You call yourself a Southern Baptist. You call yourself a primitive Baptist. You call yourself a missionary Baptist. What are you, everybody? Oh, you have a Bible, it's a King James, you swear up and down by it. But this one here has an NIV, here's an RSV, here's a Living Bible, here's a Contemporary Bible. Who in the world would know what even Bible to use? Right? That's, what, that's how the world's looking upon the church. It's ugly. Y'all don't even like each other. Y'all talk about each other. And so the world's saying, boy, y'all y'all, messed up. Y'all small. You know, y'all, this little, ain't nothing if you. In the world's eyes, everything's big, right? You're splintered. You got a bunch of drunks in there. You got a bunch of adulterers in there. You got a bunch of sinners in there. You got a bunch of people that's really not functional in the society. They got a lot of holes and cracks in their lives. And, and uh, that's what we are, right? Sinners saved by grace. That's all. They look at us like, man, y'all are splintered up. Y'all are all tore up. Y'all are divided, and y'all are alone. Have you noticed in the world that everybody's against you? Do you notice everybody's against you preaching? Everybody's against what you think, what you believe, and the word of God that you have? Everybody's against you, man. Get on the program, church. Let me tell you what the Bible says about us. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, he says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Listen to this. But mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. That's the church. I mean, we have a spiritual weapons tonight that are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. There's absolutely not one person in hell and out of hell that can have anything to do with us. i tell you another verse. You might have seen this verse before. Psalms 44, 5. Through thee will we push down our enemies. Through thy name will we tread them under that rise up against us. <laughs> what does the world do with us? I'll give you another one. Isaiah 54, 17 says, No weapon that is formed against us shall prosper. The Bible says in Matthew 16, 18, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Can I say to you tonight, as this king, this world was looking at that Shulamite girl, trying to entice her, trying to allure her, he said to her, Listen, you're like a, you're like a bunch of horses. Hallelujah! Glory to God, that's right. She is. Now, he meant it to bring her to him, but it's not going to work so well. I don't know if I get to it tonight. Well, time has went by fast already. Well, I had plenty of time. I don't know what happened. <laughs> Number two, can I say this tonight? Not only is the church and why the world is trying to take out the church, 
is because it's powerful. But it's trying to take out the church because it's beautiful. It's beautiful. The church is beautiful. We see in verse 10, it says, Thy cheeks are comely with rolls of jewels, thy neck with chains of gold. Now, in the context of what we're speaking of tonight, those jewels and that gold was put on by the king. All right? So what he's saying by raising her up in verse 9, then he throws to her these jewels and he throws to her these chains. So what does that mean to us tonight? Well, here's what it means. It means that the king was adding to the natural beauty of this Shulamite girl. And tonight the world is trying to add to the church its natural beauty. Right? The world wants to add to us. The church has a natural beauty because we're the body of Christ. Naturally beauty. But the world tonight is trying to add to the church. Put on the church. Embellish the church. To put some ornaments on the church, right? To beautify it. But we're already beautiful. But these is what the king did. Let me give you examples tonight. There is no beauty of the church with the world in a prayer meeting. The world tonight, we can invite them in in a minute. We say, come on in here. And tonight we get around this altar and we begin to pray. Some of y'all begin to cry. Some of you begin to call out to God. Do you know the worldling would look at that and say, there's nothing beautiful about that. Matter of fact, I don't even. Who y'all talking to? Y'all are nuts, man. Here you are on your knees talking to somebody that somebody's somewhere here listening to you. And then y'all talk and say all kind of stuff. Ask for things and pray for things. See, the world don't have no beauty with that, do they? Tell you something else, number two. The world tonight don't have no beauty in a song service. Right? They come in here, they, they come in here to sing with us. They're not going to sing like us. They're not going to shout out like us. They're not going to they're going to praise the Lord with us. Uh, they're not going to give glory unto God through the way of song because there's nothing beautiful about that for them. How about the worship service? Some of us sit here, some of us raise our hand, some of us say amen. Some of us, are, our, our hearts are just being thrilled by the word of God feeding your soul. And boy, that's beautiful for us. But to the world, there's nothing beautiful for that. That's, that's a waste of my time. How about the time where they, the plates are passed and you're able to give your money, your tithe, your offering, what God has blessed you. And you put that in that plate and you put it with confidence and you put it with joy and you put it with knowing that this will bless somewhere, somewhere down the road, and that's beautiful for you. But to the lost, putting money in the plates, there's no beauty in that. Does that make sense tonight? So what the, peop the world has to do, the world has to add to the church in order for it to be beautiful. And so what we've got to do now is, like this building here, we're going to have to make it bigger, or we're going to have to make it, uh, change it in order for the world to say, okay, now, now, now he's kind of looking better. Your song service. Man, you're going to have to have more than just the hymnals. You're going to have to have some secular music. 
You're going to have to have somebody up here with the drums, with a, maybe a steel guitar, uh, maybe over here uh, with an organ or something like that. But just, so you got to add. you got to add. Hey, passing the plate, man, you'll never get it done like that. you got to put in your website, hey, to donate. You can do it through the website. Or to give, you can just send it to us, and here's our address. Or you can use your credit card. Put it on your credit card and say, I want to give $5 to Glory Baptist Church on your credit card. See how they're, but yet the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 2, it says, come. Come to the house and bring your tithes and offerings unto the Lord. So tonight, what he, the king and the world is trying to do, the Shulamite girl, is put those gold chains on her and put those jewels on her because he wants to make her different than the natural beauty. Does that make sense? And the world's trying to do the same thing with us tonight. But you know what? She rejected him. She didn't take it. And so we find tonight that's exactly what we have to do in our life and in our heart tonight, just like the king. What a devil. I can say this second thing here tonight is that they put the chains on the neck, right? The neck upholds the head. But when you put too much on the neck, it'll strangle you. So he put this on the neck. But tonight, the church upholds the Christ because he's the head. Right? That's why we don't need nothing on our necks. Because he's the head. Amen. That's just another point that I can't preach tonight, but it's a good point. We find tonight... Uh, we need not the world's jewels or chains to bring the beauty to the church. Can I say this tonight? We need nothing of this world. Let's stand to our feet, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. We pray tonight that God has helped us, shown us tonight how great he is. What wonderful he is. Man, when you start breaking down this song of Solomon, it begins to get rich. It, it begins to, if you have a heart for God tonight, it will pat on that heart. It'll tap on it. Say, yes. That's what the world's trying to do to you. But you've got to keep your mind and heart on Jesus. Keep your eyes upon the Lord tonight. He's worthy. He's worthy. Anybody need to come tonight just to, Speak to the Lord. You're sure welcome to do that. Anybody like that tonight? Maybe just want to just refresh tonight. Maybe renew your commitment to him. Say, Lord, I, I'm committed to you, but I want to recommit. Lord, I, I'm dedicated to you, but I want to rededicate. I know I'm in this world, and I know the, the aim of the devil tonight, but I I just want to let you know I'm here and I'm on, I'm on your side. I'll not allow the devil to put anything on me or our church tonight. I want to be naturally beautified with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for saving my soul. Thank you for changing my heart. Thank you, Lord, that our hope's in Jesus tonight. Though we have a real world and a real devil and a real enemy, we've got a real 
Jesus and the real God. Blessed be your name tonight. Hallowed be thy name. You're worthy. You're worthy. Some are praying tonight. We'll give them time to pray. Just do business with the Lord tonight. If you need to come, you come. You come tonight. And speak to the Lord. Lift his name up tonight in prayer. You know, the Father loves to hear his children brag on his son. You ought to try that sometime. Just brag on the Son of God. Just brag on him. Just tell God how wonderful his son is. The Bible says he calls him a dear son, my only begotten. I think sometimes tonight it might just be good when we pray, we don't even ask for nothing. We'll just tell him how good he is and how great he is, how gracious he is. Lord, I don't want anything. I just want to tell you something. I tell you, I want to tell you, I love you. I'm going to tell you, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to trust you. Lord, I'm going to do exactly what you asked me to do. I don't want anything from you. I, I just want to let you know that I care and love you. I, that, that would be a prayer tonight that would be honorable. That would be, be a blessing tonight. So, Lord. Thank you for the song of Solomon tonight, Lord. Thank you how you put that together. I'm encouraged tonight. I actually can walk out tonight in this world with confidence tonight. Knowing what the Lord has done for me. Any prayer requests tonight? Any prayer requests?